0: Welcome, beautiful people to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast you will ever need. On today's show, we're going to talk about Ubisoft's great exodus and a potential solution to online toxicity. But first, for the final episode of Camp Koji in the year 2021, we're going to have to talk about NFTs. I'm going to be honest. I um, I would be perfectly OK if we if I never have to hear the letters NFT put together <laughs> for for at least just a few just just a few weeks. It's given like a week, week and a half, two weeks where I can kind of get away uh, from NFTs, especially in relation to the gaming industry, just because I think I brought this up last week. When I um, discussed NFTs at length, uh, the historic two and a half hour episode of, of Camp Koji, which is that NFTs in relation to gaming, the industry is just not close to ready to have that conversation just because of so many factors. Obviously, a lot of bad PR. There is a lot of misinformation that continues to be echoed. Uh, by NFT detractors. And I think the most important thing is because the leaders on the development and publishing side have not made anything even close to a compelling argument (laughs) as to why gamers benefit from an NFT system. Like, I talk a lot about how DLC was a system when it was first introduced there was a lot of backlash to it but at the very least even when that happened from very early on I remember when when Xbox and Xbox 360 really started bringing up this concept of additional content packs additional items Xbox when Xbox 360 was announced they actually did initially talk about a creator built economy where you can design i think i think it was like tony hawk was the example that they used. where you could oh you could design skateboards and tony hawk and get paid for it and stuff like that um so there was always like this moment where they could sort of there was always this conversation happening back then about all dlcs are evil they're going to be bad for gaming but at least publishers and developers were there to tell people hey this is the benefit of us using this type of system obviously there has still been a lot of abuse of that system but I think the more important thing is that we focus and talk about the I I think the majority of games do downloadable content correctly and it's not extremely abusive the same goes for stuff like um what do you call it post post launch patches for example like I think we as consumers have gotten used to a game not shipping complete on the disc right the disc arrives you pop it in you know nine it feels like nine times out of ten there's a day one update and that's usually the complete game you know when you buy a disc you don't get the full game uh, printed on um on the disc itself but then there are other companies you know we saw it this year with ea and battlefield we saw it with rockstar and gta trilogy we saw it last year with cd project and cyberpunk where there are these companies that abuse this abuse this feature that one company might say you know for example like when we're talking about fighting games the the conversation about patches was, hey, you know, we can improve the game. We can make balance changes without having to ship out a new disc, right? Now there are companies that say, ah, oh, you know what? Just ship the game broken. We'll fix it later. So you're, no matter what, there will always be tools introduced into our industry. And just like any other tool in the world, some companies will use it correctly. Some companies will use it incorrectly and that's part of the uh nft update i guess that i want to talk about when we now you know opening this episode so last week ubisoft ceo yves Guillemot joined a q a session happening in ubisoft paris the devs behind ghost recon breakpoint sorry um he joined a q a session happening in ubisoft paris ubisoft paris are the devs behind Ghost Recon Breakpoint and he joined the session it it, it sounds like it was impromptu it was never planned the Q&A was planned but it wasn't planned that he was going to join and talk but he did it to discuss NFTs apparently this was something according to employees uh, he did not do when the company was sort of thrust into the spotlight regarding sexual harassment so those Q&A's happened I, I guess in various satellites around Ubisoft just discussing the sexual harassment, um, those articles that were that, that were coming out. Of course, Yves Guillemot is not gonna come to that and say, like, hey guys, let me step in and talk about this. No, of course the guy had his head buried in the sand. He's a coward. So Ubisoft co-founder said the backlash to the court's announcement <clears throat> was expected. Sorry to clarify that was Eve Guillemot Eve Guillemot said the backlash to the court's announcement was expected and liken it to initial public outcry over previous new developments in the games industry like DLC, microtransactions, and loot boxes. Blockchain technical director Didier Genevois, I hope I'm saying that right, said, quote, this experiment is meant to understand how the value proposition of decentralization can be received and embraced by our players. We know it is a major change that will take time, but we will stay true to our principles. So two things. Number one. It's super weird for Iggy Monga to say, well, the backlash to the course announcement was expected. So what that means is that you as the leader of this company announced something and implemented something into your game where you understood that there was going to be a lot of backlash. There was going to be a lot of misunderstanding, and that's on both sides, right? From your own team, from your own development team, from your own employees, and of course from your consumers and your fans that purchase your games but you still sort of went ahead with it (laughs) I feel like um I've said this before we're not I'm not gonna kind of retread over Quartz itself I did say that the actual rollout that they did I, I thought was not bad for something that is essentially in beta but the simple fact that he understood he and the rest of his leaders understood Hey, this is not going to be taken well. Instead of going down the path of beginning the process at step one, they just kind of went ahead into like step three. Because, in my opinion, step one is meeting with your development team and having an open and honest conversation about hey, this is something that we're looking at. These are the ways that we think it will benefit players. Or, heck, I mean, this is Ubisoft, e- even if it's just bringing your developers to get together and saying like, hey, this is how this is going to benefit us financially, right? Um, and then the same goes for your uh, your consumers. There was never really this moment of telling consumers, hey, this is how it will benefit you. You just kind of throw out these buzzwords out there. So just like this blockchain technical director said... This experiment is meant to understand how the value proposition of decentralization can be received and embraced. You know, just because you're putting all these words together doesn't mean that you are properly explaining exactly how uh, this benefits um, players. So this is kind of the fundamental issue with NFTs at this moment is that the people at the top of these companies can't properly explain why this is a good idea nor can they even give details as to how gamers will benefit from this system. So to me, it's natural for fans and consumers to immediately go towards a doomsday scenario because you have two things happening. Number one, you have this being implemented by a company that is already just honestly like not trusted, right? So let's say if a company like hello games that did no man's sky were to open up a conversation with nft i feel like the approach to that announcement is a lot is is a little bit more neutral than if ubisoft announced it right because the moment that ubisoft announces it your mind connects point a to point b and you're saying to yourself well this is obviously this is just a money play they're just trying to be greedy and, and pinch pennies and uh this isn't a for-profit play this is a only for-profit play meaning that this is a play where players will uh, suffer and we'll put them at a position where they don't really have a choice right uh if if you put in the hands of a company like hello games which has uh is, is looked upon a lot more favorably as a developer than a company like ubisoft right um I'm not trying to say that everyone is going to go, okay. finally, a a company is going to do this right. But I think it's one of those things where it was announced people wouldn't have that instant like Jesus Christ, this is this is evil type of reaction. I think more people would be okay with listening to it. But then the second part of it is the fact the simple thing, which is you guys can't even explain why this is good for the consumer. So if you can't do that, then I as a consumer, I'm going to assume that this is not good for me at all because you can't show me a path where there's a mutual benefit to this new type of system so last week also in terms of nft update jason schreier from bloomberg posted a story called quote nfts push gamers patience to the brink and i'd like to just read through a couple of the um uh the quotes and some of the things that he wrote in this article it's a pretty cool article definitely go check it out if you haven't read it I've been covering the video game industry for nearly 13 years. I've watched buzzy trends come and go from Farmville clones that analysts said would destroy consoles to virtual reality headsets that promised we'd never look at a television again. But I've never seen a gaming trend inspire as much vitriol as non-fungible tokens, unique streams of data that can sort of, that's in parentheses, be used to prove digital ownership. Yes, gamers are angry about NFTs than they were about horse armor. The two fifty, the $2.50 microtransaction became a symbol of corporate greed when it was announced in 2006, before video game companies really knew what monetizing downloadable content should look like. So I sort of agree and disagree with this statement um, from Jason. So I agree, but... We also have to remember that when the DLC was first announced and we're talking about um, Horse Armor and Oblivion, we're talking about the year 2006, right? So that's a year where social media is not social media, right? Like the internet is there, there are chat rooms and all that stuff. Um, But the internet doesn't really have, um, you know, we, we don't use the internet to communicate in 2006 the way that we use the internet. To communicate nowadays. So, Twitter was launched in July 2006. Facebook expanded in 2006. Remember, Facebook was not always in, initially open to every single human being the way it is now, but it was expanded in 2006. Uh, you know, Oblivion and that Horse Armor also launched uh, in 2006. So, I do believe that DLC launched in the era of social media. I think that this reaction would feel the same. You know, we're in a moment that it's not that people are angrier it's just that people have now have access to microphones and speakers which are you know twitter facebook and all these different um social media platforms whereas back in 2006 the anger was more in print print media and in, in magazines you know letters being written to these different magazines or um, you know word of mouth face to face just conversations you would have with friends and there definitely was a lot of the 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 one thing that we'll say is similar is that people did not really understand the benefits initially of this system because and and this is the key point I want to connect with NFTs because companies did not begin this process early on with free right it's not like when Bethesda launch, work with Xbox to launch Oblivion, it's not like they said to themselves, hey, this is great. We can complete a game and then add stuff later on. I would love to just put out stuff for free. Let's put out free horse armor. Let's put out free swords, uh, free spells, all this stuff. I feel like that would have been an approach that would have maybe more easily put people on in terms of like, oh, okay, so this is... What can be done you can add content the moment though that you ask people for money no matter how minimal it is and look 250 was obviously more than 250 now we're talking about uh you know close to 15 years ago right but that that was really the jarring issue and that was where these conversations came up about like you know oh this is how games are going to be now you're going to pay I, and like I said I'm not making this up these are genuine conversations that friends approach me with I distinctly remember around that year Oblivion was my personally my first Elder Scrolls game but I remember laughing at people that would kind of once again go to the doomsday scenario telling me like oh this is going to be games now you're going to pay 50 bucks and you know you're going to start the, the game naked you have to pay for every sword every potion you have to pay for absolutely any everything that's how games are going to be In the future and obviously that's not what happened but what's interesting though is that there are games that are like that still and a lot of them are mobile right mobile games are very much uh are way more predatory than core games and i think because core gamers are kind of i want to call mobile gamers dumb i don't want to say that but because of the way that the system is built core gamers are a lot smarter when it comes to decisions and they're a lot smarter of being able to recognize when they're being kind of nickel and dimed it's not the same for mobile gamers because mobile games have sort of been like that from the very beginning you know like when you look when you plot you know the mobile landscape you start with free games that that launched on your phone like um snake and, and and tetris but There was a moment where Tetris no longer was being put into phones. It was something that you had to pay for later on. And it was like four or five bucks or something like that. But obviously it piles up. But mobile gamers are more used to things like, hey, you can't play anymore until you wait 20 minutes or you buy some gems or buy some diamonds so you can build this building a lot faster. They're more used to that type of economy because they've accepted it from the very beginning, whereas us as gamers, we never did. We accepted games, you know, being extremely difficult at arcades on understanding why it was a money play. But then, um, what do you call it? Developers understood when home console gaming emerged, they could no longer have the same design philosophy as they did with arcades. You know, this isn't about trying to extract quarter after quarter after quarter from a person we can't make this game that difficult that was the reason why arcade games are notoriously way more difficult than the games that uh, a lot of the modern games that we're used to right now but the other irony about bringing up horse armor that i always think is funny is that as much as people always bring up horse armor as like the beginning of this horrible dlc kind of world that we live in with games um The funny thing was Todd Howard confirming years later that I don't think it was the single most successful but it was one of the most successful pieces of content that Bethesda ever released so as infamous as this became this $2.50 horse armor about like man no one's gonna buy this this is so dumb um the market basically Decided people voted with their wallets, and of course, Xbox and Bethesda probably Xbox more than Bethesda use that information to go, Oh crap, yeah, people do want this, people are okay with paying for this. Here's a new revenue stream for us. So, once again, that's why it's so important to vote with your wallets. Um, you know, gamers I think are more angry at the potential misuse of NFTs more so than what it actually does, and I don't blame them once again. Companies have not done a good job of really explaining what these things do. Uh, from Jason Schreier, quote, why do gamers hate NFT so much? There are a lot of factors. The environmental impact associated with crypto mining, the frequent scams, the urge to never see a cartoon monkey again. But the biggest is that their mere presence in the video game is an erosion of trust. Assassin's Creed Odyssey courted controversy when it introduced a set of boosters that you could buy with real money to level up your character more quickly. It set off alarm bells, <coughs> excuse me, in players' heads. If getting new levels felt slow, was that because of genuine artistic decisions or because developers wanted you to feel compelled to pay the speed things up? In the case of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, it was easy to ignore these boosters, but they created the appearance of impropriety and made some feel a little like chump's for a play now after the fact the game actually doesn't have a leveling problem most people discovered that uh same thing i think happened with valhalla except uh, excuse me uh odyssey introduces at the beginning valhalla added an xp booster after launch but what people notice is that they saw the xp booster and said well obviously if i'm the company i'm selling these xp boosters, but i'm going to make leveling up really slow because that's how i force you or sort of uh, coax you towards spending money. The players quickly found out that that wasn't the case. The leveling system was extremely fair, but just the inclusion of that XP booster felt like an erosion of trust, which I can understand. You know, Stuff like that, to me personally as a player, it really just doesn't bother me. This is a single-player game. I get that there are people that have limited time on their hands and they want to play a game, especially, you know, a game like Assassin's Creed Valhalla. We're talking about a huge, huge game, right? This isn't a simple story uh, beginning to end. There's a lot to do. And, you know, I understand there's people out there in the world that don't have a lot of time and they would like to be able to, you know, have a lot of skills open up immediately instead of having to wait because they just don't have that much time to put in. What they do does not affect my single player game. So that's why to me, it doesn't bother me. But I understand that erosion of trust. Uh, This was a very good point that he brought up. NFTs test players trust in a new way. Every game that uses NFTs, whether it was built from the ground up to be play-to-earn, it was just grafted on blockchain later, like Ubisoft Quartz. It's designed around an economy where players can buy and sell digital items to one another. As a result, every player is incentivized not to have a good time, but to make as much money as possible. Economy comes first; enjoyment and artistic value are often secondary. I have to agree with this point. Uh, the main issue right now with NFTs is that the entire conversation around them is inextricably <coughs> tied to money and there are projects that are built using what are called DAOs decentralized autonomous organizations um, definitely look that up it's I guess layman's terms it's like starting a company except every person um, is buying a token and they get sort of a chunk of the company and they're able um, to vote on potential futures so for example if I wanted to create a a DAO out of a video game. I can start with this concept, and I can crowdsource it using a DAO, saying, "Hey, this many tokens. This is how much each token costs." And that's how I crowdsource it. And I put all that money into a vault for the game. And then throughout the entire process, you can have uh, decisions and, and votes done. So one of them might be I have my artists draw, you know, two concepts for a boss, and I can put out those two concept art and have my DAO vote on it which is obviously made up of your passionate fans that you know really are looking forward to this game and then you know they can initiate that vote and you can say okay this is the concept art that won we're going to move forward with this design for the boss and then that way you're sort of creating a game with your um, with your uh, fans simultaneously right that's sort of a mutual benefit I think it would be kind of cool right to sort of put some money into a DAO. Maybe it's something small. Maybe it's 20, 30 bucks. But, you know, maybe that gives you, you know, a few tokens to vote and stuff like that. The more tokens you have, the bigger your vote is. But I think you can put a cap on on how heavy your vote is. But there's an example I just gave you of, hey, this is something where NFT blockchains, uh, the DAO crypto can be used, you know, as a mutual benefit. But once again, that's not the conversation we're having because, nfts at at this current moment in this bubble they're inextricably tied to money so he also brought up the diablo 3 um auction house i want to skim through this because uh we're already almost at the halfway mark um he talked about diablo introducing an auction house in which players could trade gear for real cash blizzard gets a cut of every transaction Uh, Jason writes, you could ignore, but it was always there haunting the experience when you figure challenge a boss and it failed to drop that one unique sword you wanted. You'd have to wonder, is the game rigged to make you want to spend more? Should you just go buy it instead? When you actually got a cool piece of gear, you'd feel like you were missing out if you didn't put it up on the auction house to try to earn some cash. I kind of disagree with that second point. Like somehow a presence of an auction house encourages you to sell it. Uh, like you would have FOMO for keeping it, I, I kind of disagree with that that uh, notion. Uh, but I want to quick, quick bring up talk about that. You know, this auction house thing comes up a lot when we talk about NFTs. People bring up the auction house. People bring up CS:GO as examples of hey, we've tried this before and it doesn't work. Um, I disagree. I look at it as here's a poor implementation of an economy where you can buy and sell items right I more look at it as like this is a great mistake for developers publishers and consumers to learn from for some I for some reason I guess you could trace it through social media but we've reached this point in our species especially in the social media era where everyone has to be perfect 100% of the time like you release something it has to be great From moment one, you know, hey, you guys are going to do blockchain. It has to, uh, you know, clean all the oceans, clean all the plastic out of the oceans. You know, Um, it can't use any type of electricity at all. You know, like everything has to be perfect from like day one. Um, We can't it's, it's almost like we can't admit like, hey, mistakes help. Mistakes help us. Learn, you know, we learned how not to do something. So I look the auction house and I go, "Well, this is an example that we can all learn from." It doesn't mean, "Hey, let's never try this ever again." It's, "Hey, let's look at why that failed." And the weird thing about the auction house is that it was built with function over profit. A lot of people think the auction house was built by Blizzard and driven by Blizzard. Hey, we're trying to make money. That actually wasn't the case. It was a what I consider a good faith implementation. Diablo 3 designer Jay Wilson said, quote The auction house came out of the desire to legitimize third-party trading so that players would stay in the game to do their trading rather than go to third-party sites. And as a result, reduce fraud, scams, spamming, and the profit in hacking the game, making dupes, etc. So that was the idea. That's how it started. He also added, quote, I've seen lots of people theorize that the auction house was pushed on us by our corporate overlords or that it was making too much money for us to shut it down. Neither of those things are true so become it's sort of become as a way to address a legitimate issue in gaming which are digital gray markets you know and if in the blockchain can be used to limit the power of gray markets which is the ability to easily buy sell and trade i'll give you another example of a gray market gray market being that i'm taking items that i earn in a game the game itself does not have a system where i can buy and sell and trade those items so i go into a gray market a secondary market that is built by another entity that gives me a place to buy sell and trade so people buy and sell world of warcraft accounts Fortnite accounts different items they use these websites to facilitate trades give me this much money meet me here i'm going to drop the item you take it everything is done um so gray markets pop up because There's demand for something that is not being met, so they're using other markets in order to get their needs met. So gray markets can also undermine a developer's original intention. This comes from a 2015 Polygon story discussing game Key Gray Markets. Aaron Robinson, lead developer for Gravity Ghost Key, discovered that one of the keys Polygon purchased online at e-commerce site Kinguin was one she had sent to a YouTube press contact to promote her game. She declined to name who has, who she sent the code to, but was surprised to find that instead of playing her game or giving the code away as she had asked them to, it instead sold it for cash anonymously online. So gray markets exist not just for items and skins and things like that, weapons, they also ex- exist for game keys. I'm sure a lot of listeners have heard of the website G2A. G2A is so bad it's such a toxic market that you'll have developers straight up tell fans, just pirate my game, just bootleg it instead of giving any money to G2A because it's actually worse. The reason why is because G2A has consistently been caught in the past selling codes or allowing the sale of codes that were bought using stolen credit cards. Obviously, once that happens and the stolen credit card is dealt with on the side of the credit card company, then a chargeback happens. And as the owner of that game, now you're losing money um, or money is being siphoned out of your company because of that. You know, the the only way to beat a gray market is to basically acknowledge that there's a demand and create a better market, such as a curated marketplace for games. That's really the only way to do it. NFTs in the blockchain make this very possible, makes it very easy for something like this to happen or, or, or something as easy as like i said that that um scenario about uh this developer giving away a key to a game and this person then selling it you know wallets in the blockchain can be used to basically curb this type of activity so if the game key was tokenized on a public blockchain for example she could attach a smart contract to alert her if the key is ever sold instead of transferred you know and then she can use that information to ensure the reviewer never receives a key again for example um or burning the key if it's ever sold or something like that i don't know some crazy stuff that you could do with smart contracts um so basically the auction house is not about like hey this is a bad idea let's not do this again because there is a demand for this like fans are demanding more agency over their items you know they want places to be able to buy sell and trade just out, outside of their inner circle. And this is a technology that can be used in order to curb something like a gray market and give and meet the demand of buying and selling things like digital games and digital items by offering a safer marketplace. Because NFTs and blockchain can basically, what you're doing is you're ensuring a trustless trade, right? You're not relying on another person or a company sticking to their word of selling you a legitimate item or a uh a game because that's the way the contract is set up if i'm trading you two shields for a sword i won't get the sword um unless i give you my two shields you won't get the two shields unless you give me your sword once they're put up then the technology or the the ledger updates and it moves both of those items once the conditions are met which is you are basically almost like a digital signature you're signing permission to that i'm going to take these two shields you're signing permission i'm going to take that sword and then it all happens automatically because an ai is doing that it's not a company in the middle that's making it happen uh this this technology can also be used to combat duplicate items right so once again here's an example of NFT and blockchain being used where uh it, it It's something that happens in the background on a public ledger and a trustless public ledger it's not something that you even have to think about as a player but what it could do is it it could combat duplicate items so since if i duplicate an item but it doesn't originate from within blizzard and the game is only built to read items with nfts that have actual signatures of origin basically like a certificate of authenticity almost right the moment a glitch is found And you duplicate that item, it can be instantly invalidated uh, by the system because the system will say, well, this did not originate from this source from within Blizzard from this particular wallet that was created to distribute all these items. So it's instantly invalidated, once again, curbing something like the gray uh, market. You can also use it to combat fraud. 2016, it was estimated that for every legitimate virtual item sold and downloaded, 7.5 virtual item downloads were lost to fraud. This number can be much higher in some countries. In China, for example, there are a whopping, I'm going to say whopping, I put that H in there, whopping, 273 fraudulent virtual items downloaded for every legitimate item. So digital gray markets for keys, for games, and for items they exist and they will forever exist for a game like counter-strike go yes you can use the Steam marketplace but steam takes 15 percent, right so they take a big chunk so if since they have no either a they have no control of the system they've shown that they don't want to control the system there are all i mean like hundreds of these websites that pop up that say come to our website to buy sell and trade your counter-strike skins but once again You're putting your trust into a third-party marketplace that has not been vetted and approved by Valve. And a lot of people get scammed. A lot of people lose money. Yes, there have sort of been these sites that popped up in legitimacy in terms of within inner circles. People will say like, oh yeah, this is where I go to buy my Counter-Strike skins because I haven't gotten screwed in the past. But once again, you are still trusting a company in the middle to make sure that everything goes smoothly and, or they will be able to give you your money back if something goes wrong. So the issue is that once again, consumers want ownership and agency over their items. So the developers, in my opinion, have to facilitate that demand by offering a safe and legitimate way to do it. Um, And there are systems where people can do that where there have been moments where they try to curb trading, like, you know, what is it you can only trade if your account is, is active one per account um, if you drop an item it's only available to pick up for a few hours or something like that there are systems that are built internally but putting this on a public immutable blockchain not only does it make it trustless but bring up the example that I brought up last week is decentralizing the wallet will also allow people to put up hold and display and you know digital bragging is going to continue being a thing or will uh, rise to become bigger of a thing that it is now you need a you can only do this on a public blockchain if you want to go with that approach um so yeah so that goes into the real reason why gamers hate nfts right it's not the environmental impact this is my opinion i don't think it's the environmental impact you know i established last episode that I can almost guarantee that the average gamer has absolutely no idea what their carbon footprint is. I feel like a lot of people bring up the environmental issue as like, "Man, I, you know, this is the problem. This is why I don't want this thing." But you know, for example, how many times have you gone on Twitter where a game launches and the servers are overloaded? And what 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 do gamers typically say? What do you hear? Within the community, open more servers, build more data centers. You know, you know, no one really cares about environmental impact. They they want you to pretend like like they do. If if a company were to say, hey, um, you know, for uh, let's bring up Call of Duty. Let's say Activision always says says, you know, man, what you guys say about NFTs, you guys are right. You know, stuff is bad for the environment. And it made us reflect. So we want to do something. So in every single region across the world, from two in the morning to five in the morning, we're shutting down all the servers. No one can play for three to four hours every day. Whatever is two to five in the morning in your region, uh, we're going to shut down the servers. And this is going to save, I mean, we're going to cut our carbon emissions by a thousand percent, you know, uh, this is the equivalent of taking up, you know. Two million cars off the street every day. Like, you know, bring up do you? Well, what do you think is gonna happen? Those same people, like i telling you, NFTs are bad. Yo, you mother, you pieces of shit. What are you talking about? You're gonna shut down the servers. This is my game. I Like you know, that's gonna happen. So let's just set this aside because I don't think it's the environmental impact. I I do feel that gamers don't really hate the tool. They just hate the stories they've been told about how they can be misused. And I can understand that. It's like me telling you the only benefit of fire is to burn and destroy things. That's the only way that you can do it. One of my favorites of fear mongering that I like to call is Bloomberg Wealth placing Mario Kart into a doomsday scenario, stating that a singular Mario NFT can exist, I guess, faster than others and retains value. This is basically painting a play to win scenario um this can be done right now right there's no need for nfc's in the blockchain to do something like that the reason why pay to win is so rare in mainstream gaming is because it puts profits way ahead of experience which is why it doesn't work on a large scale you can only do it if you do it subtly and your your community basically accepts it Uh, like the fifa community when it comes to uh, ultimate team right that's you that's their community accepting and voting with their wallet saying yeah we're okay spending thousands of dollars to try to win a soccer game and we're actually happy to do it every single year like you guys have voted with your wallet that's why ea feels like yep we're just going to continue doing this right entities won't just automatically increase pay-to-win scenarios it's not going to happen you know this is why I always say that the future of play to earn is similar to free to play. You know, I'm not going to ask you for money up front, but I will make money in other ways. I won't sell your skin. I'll create a way for you to earn it, and I will only make money when you sell it. Um, You know, yeah, great markets can pop up, take a smaller cut than the devs, but they wouldn't be trustless. You're still um, introducing a much safer way uh, to do it. You know, to, to wrap this up, you know, I'll say that the entertainment industry has reached this point of you know, it's more beneficial for me to find more ways for you to keep playing my game than how I can take more money up front, right? Asking for money up front, um, the alternative that a lot of developers and publishers have found is lowering that barrier of entry. That's why Halo Infinite is now free to play. You have, uh, obviously, a lot of games, you know, going into Game Pass like a multiplayer, right? You have games, obviously, that are free to play like Call of Duty, like Apex Legends, it's if I knock that wall down, that barrier of entry, I can get you to enter to my ecosystem quickly. Um, and then my job is to give you a great product to make you feel happy with spending money. That's why people spend money in 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 Fortnite. They wouldn't spend money in Fortnite if they didn't like it. It's not because they're forced to do it or FOMO. Like yeah, those are factors, but they spend the money on it because. They know throughout the year there are these amazing events, and every few months there's things coming in and out of the vault and new skins and events and all these things happening. They're more than happy to do it because they've been delivered a great game, right? So it's not about stripping a game down to its bare bones and charging people for money. It 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 it's not a really good way of doing things, no matter how you how much you want. It's almost like people want companies to be malicious in this way. It's just not a very smart financial decision, you know, so I think that the future of video games is going to be because of the fact that entertainment is fighting over time over other entertainment, right? So the moment that um, The Witcher season two comes out, for example, Fortnite is now fighting for your time as a gamer with netflix and they're hoping that they can keep you compelled so that maybe you're not watching all episodes back to back to back maybe you're watching one episode and then spending more time in Fortnite, and the same happens vice versa all these entertainment industries understand that they're not competing within their own industry anymore they're competing with time and within our industry that's really where we are like yes there's apex legends a lot of people like to say apex legends versus call of duty and they're basically competing for your time. So it's better, it's it's more uh, beneficial for them to deliver an experience where you don't feel like you're cheated or you don't feel like it's super bare bones, where they're consistently doing events to keep you enthralled. You know, Call of Duty and Activision One aggressive with anti-cheat. Um, once they started seeing that it started affecting their money when they started to understand like oh my god like we're losing players because of this so we have to invest into this experience once again wildness and attention will always cause change so the example i I gave on my twitter you know for quite some time starbucks had a rewards program but dunkin donuts never had one Uh, i know some people might not have dunkin donuts i think it's only on the east coast whatever they sell coffee Starbucks reward program was free, right? So essentially what that meant is that if I like both Dunkin' and Starbucks coffee, I would naturally migrate to Starbucks for a single reason. They reward me simply for shopping there. So Starbucks is not asking me to do anything more than what I've already done. They're saying, hey, come in, get the same drinks that you always like. Yes, we will increase the reward points if you buy more of this product, maybe you know they make more profit if they're able to sell this particular new profit at a bigger scale. But for the most part, every single purchase that you've always done—one coffee a day, one one coffee a week—you um, can get points, and you'll be able to come back and get free coffee. Right? That's an incentive that if you like both of those cups of coffee, you're going to go to Starbucks because simply they reward you for you know shopping there so i think that this is going to be the true use case for nfts in the future or this is i'm not gonna lie it's a very optimistic approach to it uh that i tend to look at it is how can i use nfts how can you use the blockchain to reward players and encourage them to keep playing here versus anywhere else because in this model if i were to give away skins or give away skins as uh a reward for a particular accomplishment, then I make money off the back end if you decide to sell that skin. I only make money if you decide to sell it. So if I play and enjoy both Apex and Call of Duty, but Apex rewards me with free skins with a chance to monetize them and be rewarded simply for playing as I normally do, you can see how you can take market share away from something like Call of Duty. Battle passes are one thing I want to bring up battle passes have become a mutual benefit between player and developer but most battle passes include a free option right if it's true that companies will always use these systems for for pure profit then a free tier just would never exist but you've noticed that almost every i'm not gonna say every single one but almost every battle pass has a free tier to it but my job is to try to encourage you to to pay money get the paid tier right um Fortnite, for example, has an option for a battle pass that pays for itself. If you if you play Fortnite and you just do the free battle pass, if you level up enough, at some point, an option opens up that says pays for itself, which basically allows you to go to the paid battle pass tier, and it just calculates the amount of V-Bucks that you would have earned if you paid for the battle pass in the beginning, and it just gives it to you for free, right? So why does Fortnite do this? Why, why does Fortnite have a battle pass that essentially pays for itself every quarter, right epic could have easily not have done this and tell you hey pay 15 dollars every three months or however much it is i think it's 10 bucks i'm sorry i don't really know um they do this because once again i am fighting for your time i want to give you this battle pass and tell you like look it can pay for itself but you have to be playing the game for it to pay for itself so there's there's that fomo there's an incentive to keep playing my game I am essentially rewarding my players with free skins and free items and all these other free things that I can put into my battle pass. But at the same time, all I'm saying is, hey, all I'm asking you to do is keep playing the game, keep having fun, and you'll be able to keep getting uh, battle passes, you know? So uh, yeah, so that's one thing about NFTs. You know, that's one issue with NFTs and speculative markets um, is, you know, when I bring these things up, I do look at it from the glass half full. I definitely see the glass half empty. You know, what if you introduce a market and then, you know, uh, the game shuts down. You're basically left holding an NFT that can only be sold as uh, a display. Something, you know, if you have a digital picture frame, you can display your sword on there, right? That's a problem. I will say that's a problem. So I, I can have, I can see both sides as argument. Um, and, and I think it's very, very understandable. So uh, let's move on to the next star, Ubisoft. According to a report from Axials last week, Ubisoft's been struggling to keep talent over the past 18 months. So many Ubisoft employees have left the company that those remaining have begun to call it the Great Exodus and the Cut Artery. Top name talent is leaving, with at least five of the top 25 credited people from Far Cry 6 already gone. Twelve of the top fifty from last year's Assassin's Creed Valhalla have left. Two, two current developers tell Axios that the departures have stalled or sort projects. One developer recently said a colleague currently at Ubisoft contacted them to solve an issue with the game because no one was still there who knew the system. Said another now former Ubisoft worker who was disappointed by directors from the company's Paris HQ. "Quote: There's something about management, and creative scraping by with the bare minimum that really turned me." away so I don't really have much to add or comment on the story I just wanted to bring it up just to bring up to make people aware of what's happening uh, at Ubisoft and a lot of it just echoes sort of this this anti-work movement that a lot of people are are experiencing right now where they've understood that even something as simple as what happened with COVID-19 and understanding like Wait a minute, I've always lived in this world where my company has been telling me, no, you can't work from home. you must be physically here for the work to be done. Now you're put into this this home environment where you're able to spend you know uh, more more time with your your kids, more time with your spouses, more time with your pets even, and still be able to execute um, your job and actually do it at a much more effective scale, right? Uh, you're not having to travel back and forth between offices and because of technology, we can actually do it. I think it's put a lot of workers into this position of having more confidence over saying, hey, these are my talents. This is what I want. You meet my demands or I'm leaving instead of kind of the other way around. And I think that's kind of what's happening with a lot of these uh systems and excuse me a lot of these companies, developers and publishers is I think there are probably a lot of artists out there that are genuinely sick of having to work on the same exact game every single year and building games, you know, for pure profit, I can understand why something like that would be horrible. And that's outside of all these other issues that companies like Ubisoft are dealing with the harassment, and all this other stuff that they um are not properly addressing obviously the same going with Activision and Blizzard. Um, and I think that's kind of how we got to this point. You know, I have a, a friend of mine who just started a job like two months ago and he realized what a lot of workers realize at some point. You know, you give your employee an inch, they're going to take a mile. You know, the the, the moment you say, yeah, I can stay extra for another hour, that hour turns to two hours. It, then that two, those two hours turn into an extra shift with like you know, a one hour break in between, you know, these companies will always take a mile when you um, show them that you're willing to take an inch. So the moment that he realized he was take, getting taken advantage of and he could see the writing on the wall, he just left. He'd say, yeah, you know what? I don't need this. I can use the gig economy, for example, to temporarily make a little bit of money while I find something more substantial. But I'm not going to stay here for another second longer. I can see where this is going. I think a lot more people are getting smart smarter more privy to you know uh the illusion of promotions and all these tricks that companies use um to sort of get you to stay and i think it's great because it's showing that workers are just demanding more Why we hear more about unionizing around the world so i think it's a great thing like i said i really don't have much more to add to this story because it's such a the, this is how I'm presenting the facts to you. It seems a lot of people are leaving Ubisoft. Ubisoft is definitely not the only company that's suffering from this, but I think more and more, what's happening around the world is people are saying, "No, you've, I've been shown this. Like, I, I've been able to prove that I can responsibly do my job from home. Um, you ask me to come back into the office is going to be a no from me, or you telling me." that you can only afford to pay me a minimum wage and is going to be a no from me i mean i'm just gonna um you know use things like the gig economy or, or uh you know live a much more tepid lifestyle until i can get the job that's going to meet my demands instead of the other way around so it's, it's honestly pretty great to see sort of this anti-work movement happening around the world at at, at this moment and that's What's happening at companies like like uh, like Ubisoft? So hopefully this causes um, more and more change within Ubisoft. That we you know see more people threatening to leave. You know we saw what happened with Blizzard in there. Their, their walk out, they strike, and unionization. Um, you know happened at Apple. I think Apple employees were striking. Um, I think it was Christmas Eve. I think they decided to go on strike. I asked a friend of about it that works at Apple. He was like, yeah, it's long overdue. He actually wasn't working at the moment. I think he told me that he was um, just not working during those days. But um, even he agrees, was like, yeah, you know, it's, it's long overdue. So it's kind of cool to see this anti-work movement. And um, so I wanted to end this episode just to quickly address this video that came out last week. So last week, a video from a Twitch affiliate streamer named Grenade Queen went viral in the clip she was harassed by teammates you know while she was having a rough game she was basically belittled and insulted pretty much purely for being a female i think they were saying things like oh this is why master chief is not a woman blah 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 all this you know crap uh that you hear from time to time it reached a new viral height when the Uh, father of the Xbox, as as we like to refer to him, Seamus Blackley, retweeted it with the following statement, quote, this wasn't the future for Xbox Live we envisioned. As a company, with the help of Microsoft, this needs to be highlighted and stopped. It will take teamwork between players, devs, and console manufacturers to change this, and it's time. It's past time. Um, Yeah, it definitely is past time, buddy. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, this is kind of one of those issues that come up in video games where companies really only address it when the cup overflows, right? Like the cup is always there. Like this harassment, this these garbage people that do this do it because they're consistent they consistently get away with it. And for whatever reason, you have these companies, these publishers and developers that only want to talk about it when it really hits this critical mass right when uh, it it, it becomes this viral moment and it's like hey buddy just because this isn't viral anymore doesn't mean (laughs) that it doesn't happen you know one of the comments that I saw echoed and I've seen echoed in the past about these types of situations is you know I took this I just copy and pasted a a tweet that someone wrote underneath that video where they said quote i mean it's wrong for sure but the mute and block features work if you don't like something someone is saying there are multiple ways to censor the interactions you have with them people out here acting like she was forced to listen what was being said to her and this is like the typical response but it's also the most thoughtless response that anyone can have to this type of situation. So, if this is how you feel in terms of when you hear these types of situations, saying, Well, you could just mute and block, I hope that I can get you to change your mind. Because this is basically the equivalent of telling a woman, Hey, if you, you know, maybe a woman is telling like, Yeah, every time I, I, I go to work, I just get harassed, catcalled, or whatever. That's like being told that, and you tell that woman, Well, if you don't like being harassed and you would work, then find a different route to walk to work um you know there's two major points you're missing you're missing you're missing that the overwhelming majority of these routes have harassers or there's a very high chance a woman will face harassment the other thing that you're missing is that the woman is forced to change her routine instead of uh the people that are abusing her and that's kind of the root of the issue is we're we're telling the per the person who is being harassed You change, you know, you mute, you block, you do all these extra things instead of just what you were supposed, what you came here to do. Instead of coming here to play and enjoy this game, um, no, spend a chunk of that time muting and blocking people because it works. Spoiler alert, obviously doesn't work (laughs) because there are various times throughout the year where we continue to have this conversation about marginalized groups being harassed online and um you know the question becomes is there a solution like joel is there a possible solution to this or are you just going to continue to bring up the problem and actually you know what there actually is a solution like i feel like most companies just aren't understanding um because once again i think that a lot of these companies they talk to the talk but i don't think they truly have stopped and sat down even 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 xbox playstation uh obviously nintendo what they've done is basically they've taken away the tools <laughs> like they basically say like this is how we're going to cut down on harassment. We're going to create all these extra steps for you to chat in voice, for example, right? That was Nintendo's approach. But I think a lot of these companies have not gotten to the core problem. And I think the core problem is that the solution to this issue is that games only use punishments. The solution is that games need rewards and punishments, right? It's basically the metaphor of the carrot and the stick, the, the metaphor comes from I think it i't do remember the originator when I first heard it but i it, it's it's a it's a concept that's used a lot you know throughout my lifetime of of, of work uh I've been a leader a a a, a manager a mentor of many many uh, employees and the carrot and the stick is a concept that's brought a lot brought up a lot in, in management for companies and the metaphor i think comes from moving a donkey you use a carrot to encourage them to move forward and use a stick to prevent them from going backwards. The issue in gaming right now, and we're going to use Halo as an example, uh, because that's where the game that originated the story. Um, The problem right now is that there are zero carrots and the sticks are basically reserved for hackers, right? So you can report people for abusive chat. but I feel like right now in gaming, especially multiplayer gaming, it feels like when we talk about punishments, your mind goes to hackers, right? We're trying to stop people from breaking the game on a technical level, right? But the problem is that both of these issues equally break the experience of many, many people, right? When you're playing a game, you can understand that a hacker or a Smurf is breaking my experience for those that don't know a smurf is basically a person uh this concept was popularized to me through overwatch overwatch is the multiplayer game that i still enjoy to this day that is a concept of a person that just creates an infinite number of accounts pretty much and they enter a season by completely losing all their games to try to start low and then they either help other friends level up or they charge people to help them level up So basically, these are people that are extremely good at the game. They should only exist in matches at the very, very top, but you find them in matches towards the bottom or the middle uh, because they force their characters to derank or they create new accounts for the express purpose of, hey, pay me $50 an hour. I'm going to play as Widowmaker or Genji, these very disruptive DPS characters that can quickly take out individuals and i'm going to help you boost up and i'm going to help you win games right we look at smurfs and, and, and hackers at the at the same level these are people that have taken advantage of systems and tools in order to destroy my experience the problem is that a lot of companies don't put harassment at that level they don't look at harassment as hey this is something that can effectively break a person's experience in the game right now, in my personal world, I don't deal with a lot of online harassment when it comes to voice chat. Have I dealt with it in the past? Hell yeah. You know, because of the way that I speak, the tone of my voice, my, my accent, and the way that I speak. I've definitely been called the N-word more times than I can count, especially in Call of Duty days when I used to play a lot of Call of Duty on 360 and Xbox One and, and all these other um, places. But it it's, it really is on a whole nother level when it comes to to to, to women. For women, it's like instant. Like you know, I, of course, I can't sit here and say like, oh yeah, every single time I've heard a woman speak, she's gotten harassed. But can I sit here and successfully say you know nine times out of ten? Um, yeah, I think th- I can. I can. I can say that. I, think I can say like nine times out of ten that I've heard a woman. Speaks she's instantly i mean it's just like instantly harassed and then you have these boys who will basically because these aren't men let's be honest these are boys who so will basically encourage each other to continue insulting a woman and laugh along with it because they're not man enough to step up and say no don't don't do that right um so one issue is that the sticks aren't threading and then we have no carrots so One of the reasons why we have harassment in video games, a lot of it is the anonymity, right? When you're living in an anonymous digital world, these boys feel protected sitting behind their screen because, you know, in real life, there's real shame, right? Those same boys that will do this online harass women they wouldn't do that in the real world because there are actual immediate consequences, right? There's a consequence of being punched in the face, for example, (laughs) there's a consequence of um, having you know uh, authorities called on you for invading someone's personal space or harassing them consistently right if you do it in an establishment or a place like a Starbucks you can be asked to leave because of being the, uh, the harasser in in real life there's real shame you're showing your face the anonymity is what really makes these boys feel protected and that's why There needs to be carrots and sticks, not just sticks. So games need to introduce reward systems to encourage players to move forward and not be assholes. You can't just have a stick that I will strike you if you're an asshole. You equally also have to say, let me show you why it's cool to not be an asshole. (laughs) And that's where a reward system kicks in. And I'm going to use Overwatch because Overwatch actually is a perfect example of how it could work. So Overwatch introduced an endorsement system in June 2018. In the moment that they did it, abusive chat reports dropped by up to 26% within one month and reports of disruptive behavior dropped 40% in less than a year. This is a carrot. What they basically did was that you have a badge now next to your name and it goes from level one to level five. Typically, a person that is non-disruptive, meaning that you know, maybe you're not a super communicator, and I'm going to use myself as an example, because when I play multiplayer games, I tend to not use voice chat a lot. And the reason why is because I use games to recharge my battery. And talking and communicating more times than not is me wasting more of my battery. So um, I don't really go over or too crazy with, with communication and talking and games, but because I'm not an asshole, nor am I disruptive, I keep a level of level three, meaning that I occasionally get endorsements, but I don't get too, too many to bring me up to level four or five. In order to maintain those, you have to consistently get endorsed. And at the end of every match, it's a very easy system. You can endorse up to three people. You can only endorse one person once every 12 hours. I think you cannot endorse your friends, obviously, to make sure there's no abuse of the system. You can actually even endorse opponents. But you always have three per match. And the three slots are, I think, sportsmanship, where, you know, hey, this is, this is a cool person to, to, to work along with. Another one is great teammates. And I think the third one is shot caller. And that's kind of you're encouraged to use that if there's a person that's using voice chat to sort of lead the team to sort of say, hey, guys, maybe we should go to right instead of left. Or, man, I think this hero, I think, I think, you know, it would be great if we had a Hanzo in this situation, right? That's a shot caller. Now, if that person that's playing a different character decides to go back and change to Hanzo. And we win the match. Now that becomes a great teammate because he understood like, hey, this would be a good character to use in this situation. So I would endorse that person for a great teammate. I would endorse the other person for being a shot caller. But by by having these carrots, you're having a visual representation of a person's endorsement. Right. You are more likely to be match made with people on a similar endorsement level you are, you are rewarded for your endorsement. Whenever I endorse someone, which is me saying like, hey, that's a great shot caller right there. I get a little bit of XP. I think it's only like 50, so it's nothing super crazy, but it adds up, right? And then randomly at random intervals, it happens probably like around once a month, you're rewarded for your endorsement level. So since I'm usually at an endorsement level of three, I get two loot boxes for free. And I think... At level four, you get three. And at level five, I think you get four loot boxes, which is absolutely earned because the only way to maintain four or five is basically you're getting endorsements every single match. Like, that's the only way. Like, if if you see someone who's four or five, that's someone who's super communicative. But by adding carrots instead of just having sticks, well, you're basically... I, I think it starts off with just, hey, you fake it till you make it, right? It's like you know you're 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 showing these people who are abusive and harassers like hey maintaining a base level eh, you'll get some free loot boxes a base level is you're just not being an asshole you're not typing up calling people trash or shit or you suck or going on voice line harassing people for this that and the third or whatever reason you're just playing the game and you're you know you're being a good teammate but you're not doing more you're not doing less This is what more games need to do Um, because you can do harsher punishments. The problem is um, moderating all of that. You understand what I'm saying? I've, I've brought up in the past about maybe these companies need to crowdsource these complaints where when I log a complaint, That transcript is then saved either by audio or transcribed on text. And then you have your players opt in to occasionally moderate something, hear a piece of audio and say, yeah, this is abusive or this isn't abusive. Once it gets enough of those, then it goes to an actual human moderator or excuse me, a moderator that's an employee of the company to make the final decision. And then you reward those players who are taking part of that system. But the issue with that is once again is you know you're asking people to do work even though you, even if you're giving them a reward. I think crowdsourcing is the only way to keep up and, and make this stuff happen consistently. You can also do harsher punishments, but I feel like it won't work unless you're also rewarding players for like, hey, let me show you what this can be if you're just not a dick about it, <laughs> you know And part of that for halo might mean hey guys we're releasing this skin the only way to release to have this skin is to be you know level four endorsement uh, by the end of this month for example or uh this particular weapon skin is only reserved for endorsement levels so you sort of separate it in a sense i think you will get a lot of people that even if at first they're saying okay screw it I need this, you know, and I know that if I call someone a bitch or I call someone trash and I harass them, I know that the chances of them endorsing me at the end of the match go to zero. But if I shut my mouth and I, and I don't insult people, then I can enter to a status quo where the chances of me getting endorsed start to rise up. And then, you know, once again, it's almost like fake it till you make it. Maybe then at that point, you'll be able to show this person a different way to play the game and say, hey, you know what? You can actually have fun without being an absolute asshole, you know? So I think that's really one of the solutions for this is that it does sound kind of weird. Like, damn, bro, we have to reward people to not be assholes. But I think that's kind of where we are right now in video games is that once again, boys are emboldened by other boys one one thing that i will say is that when it comes to these boys harassing women chances are they're not alone they usually just won't do it off the cuff they usually have someone there to support them it's the same thing as a harasser on the street you know it's like when you have people that want to you know harass women in the street hey ma damn god bless you ma you know just like something here in new york that happens a lot you know are you gonna have that friend that's like me because i've definitely done this in the past i've definitely pulled friends aside and be like bro that shit was mad weird and creepy what you just did and what you just said a lot of these people don't have these friends in their life to kind of tell them like bro that shit was really cringe man that was really really bad what you just did um so i think a reward system is one way to encourage something um like that but you know obviously we'll just have to wait and see but i think that is a solution that more companies need to explore no new hot releases because there really isn't any big releases obviously the end of the year so we're just going to move on to wrap it up last week sony released the second uncharted film trailer i will say this trailer was definitely a lot better than the last one in my opinion i think it more kind of fleshed everything out It's, you know, it finally showed Mark Wahlberg with the silly mustache or the beginning of the mustache. Honestly, this is a movie that I don't think I'm going to watch in theaters. You know, I just don't really feel very encouraged. This seems like a film that like on digital, I would probably watch it, but I don't feel super compelled. Like, man, I really want to watch this in, uh, in theaters. I just, and I think that a lot of gamers will agree with me um in terms of i don't know just doesn't seem like it's doing anything super fresh and i think that if i knew nothing about video games and i knew nothing about uncharted then my desire to watch this film then lowers even more because just as a generic just action film uh it just does not look very interesting at all <laughs> Uh, Team 17 announced they are no longer publishing Void Interactive's Ready or Not, a tactical SWAT spiritual successor. The announcement was made shortly after a player asked the following question in the Ready or Not subreddit. Quote, should Ready or Not have a school shooting mission in the campaign? A developer replied, quote, you better believe it's gonna. So according to a developer Q&A, the split from Team 17 had actually nothing to do with the school level. I have to... uh, trust them and agree with that assessment because uh the school level was always a part of the plan it seems for this game if if you look at early trailers they show a school so i doubt that team 17 were completely unaware the developer also said that the school level will likely be a junior college and not you know an elementary school and stuff like that um i kind of do see both sides of this you know if you're talking about creating a game that supposed to be supremely tactical and put you in the the shoes of a SWAT team let's be honest unfortunately we live in a country where school shootings and um and the likes are not extremely rare um I I do I I think I would be 100% against this if it had anything to do with involving children but it's not like we're talking about a school shooting mission in the game where I'm playing as a school shooter. Hell yeah, that's that's a, that's a hard no. Um, I think this is really one of those situations where I think a school shooting didn't break your decision. Like if you're a person that's going online saying, "Oh my god, it says a school shooting," uh, I have to be a SWAT, uh, you know, SWAT commander in a situation where I'm trying to save teachers and kids from an active shooter now i'm not buying this game like you are never gonna buy this game (laughs) like i don't think this is gonna sway that decision for you i think there is a clean way to do this i think it's more people i think are just like you should be angry at the fact that there are school shootings (laughs) at a potential school shooting level in the game and finally gta 5 was crowned the most viewed game on twitch this year with a total of 2.1 billion hours watched it's actually 1.3 billion more hours than last year, which is insane. Overall, it was the second most watched category after just chatting. I think it's also I think it's really I think it's really awful to see a lot of these websites re- reporting this news and then just give no recognition to no pixel in the Madi community. I think it's such garbage. You know, I saw Kotaku briefly mention it. You know, other sites completely ignored it. They kept talking about like, oh, man, this is this is crazy that Rockstar was able to do this. And they bring up this Dr. Dre mission that was recently brought out and they talk about the success of GT Online. Man, shut up. The, the only reason this game is at the top of Twitch is because of NoPixel in the modern community. It's literally the only reason if NoPixel did not exist this game would not be the most watch on twitch like let's let's be completely honest it i think it really sucks to see all these websites like i said not even acknowledge the mod like a lot of them didn't even say like hey one of the reasons might be because of this role playing mod like some of them just didn't bring it up at all that's garbage man um i think that that modding community should absolutely be recognized and I think I brought this up before. I showed the hypocrisy of take two, which is like they'll take down mods that don't help them. But since this one helps them financially, uh, I've been saying for a while, that I, I I can't imagine that they're not developing their own replacement to this to one day just send that cease and desist to no pixel. I could see that definitely happening at some point. That's our show. Shout out to Hades. Hades became the first ever video game. To win a hugo award which is an annual literary award given to sci-fi and fantasy works at the world science fiction convention every year but this was the first year there was a video game category hades won over spiritfarer the last of us 2 animal crossing new horizons final, final fantasy 7 remake and blaseball um so yeah definitely shout out to hades for being the first ever to win that award uh, that's our show thank you so much for joining me please follow us on twitter and youtube at camp Coaching for future updates we will be off next week i'll be back on the 10th of january that will be our next episode have a happy new year and once again i'm joel and i will see you all next week